you know, at, at my very best, only 70% of what I say is even close to the truth. But I don't know which 70%. Hmm. I, you know, I, I know I need to change. And that's, that's at my best. It's probably closer to 30% is right. <laughs> Come on. <Right? laughs> I don't know about that. This is the Hopper Podcast. I'm William. And I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. William is a hospice chaplain. We've been friends for over 20 years. For that amount of time, we've been having thoughtful, passionate, hospitable conversations about what is good and right and beautiful in the world. Each week, we pull an idea out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. I'm going to read an excerpt from a a book by Steve Brown. Um, And he's written many books, but this one's called What Was I Thinking? that I found really interesting and get your reaction to. I once thought that Jesus took sides, but I was wrong. I was the one taking sides. I'm always taking sides. But when I hang out with Jesus, I find that he is far less partisan than I thought he was. A friend of mine told me many years ago, Steve, I don't know where you'll be in 20 years, but wherever you are, you'll be waving a flag for something. I don't care how much... I don't care so much what you believe, but I hope that you believe something strongly enough to fight and die for it. If you're a Democrat, don't be shilly-shally about your political beliefs. If you're a Republican, be a Republican. If you're a Christian, tell everybody you know and dare them to challenge you. If you're an atheist, be a real one. There's nothing worse than a weenie atheist, except maybe a weenie Christian. Then I find out that Jesus doesn't choose sides that way. For instance, his criticism of the Pharisees was so harsh that one cannot read it without wincing. And yet, on more than one occasion, he went to dinner parties with Pharisees. What's with that? Jesus reached out to the oppressed and was on the side of the poor while at the same time being friends with the oppressors and the ones he helped uh, keep the ones who helped keep the poor poor. He was really clear about sexual morality, and in the Sermon on the Mount, he went further than the law did in his comments, saying that lust was no lust was no better than actual adultery. His teaching on divorce is cut and dried, and it goes beyond what Moses taught. So what in the world was Jesus spending time with adulterers and divorce people for? He lived in the middle of an occupied country, and yet he was often seen reaching out to and loving the occupiers. It just doesn't make sense. Now, I'm quite political. On occasion, I've been called opinionated. Well, maybe more than occasionally. I have strong theological, social, and moral convictions, and I have no hesitation about sharing those views with anyone who will listen. I draw a circle, and I put Republicans, Christians, Presbyterians, and good citizens in the circle, and everybody else is outside the circle. So sometimes I want to say to Jesus, just take a side. But he doesn't take a side. I recently spoke at a conference for Christian counselors who have been criticized by other Christians for being too wishy-washy. And at a dinner for the leaders of the conference, I brought up the criticism to see how they would respond. And the president said, While there are many who draw lines, we believe we've been called to build bridges. Maybe there's something to both methods, and the key is to knowing when to draw lines and when to build bridges. Jesus drew lines, and they were clear, absolute, and hard. I knew that. But he also crossed every one of those lines and loved people on the other side. And the more I walk with him, the more I'm learning to see people through his eyes. That means I'm called to reach out to people who aren't the kind of people I want to know, 
people who were on the other side of the line. In other words, I like Republicans and Presbyterians, but the more I walk with Jesus, the more I understand that he probably would not spend as much time with them as I do. Yeah, that, you know, hearing you read that reminds me of uh, the parable where um, a man comes up to Jesus and he says that his brother is taking his share of the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, uh, who made me a judge or arbiter between the two of you? Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously God cares about justice, and that sure. was an injustice. Sure. But at that moment, Jesus didn't. Um, and then he goes and tells this parable about basically about accumulating wealth. Yeah. And worrying too much about money. Yeah. Um, and that you would you know, harm one another. So you'd either take from your brother or you, you'd be upset that your brother took it all. But yeah. either way, it's a love of money involved. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the parable, the guy dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and who gets his money then? Yeah. And th- if you stop and think about it, he he is the judge of all the earth. Yeah, he could have simply said, mm. "Yep, yeah, do what's right, share with your brother," but he didn't. He took it as an opportunity to teach on something that affects all of us. Yeah, um, but I, I, this is a this is good. Um, you and I are are middle ground folks politically. Yeah, and we've talked about feeling politically homeless, right? Yeah, and if you say anything that criticizes our conservative friends, they, they lump you in with the liberals. Yeah. If you say anything that criticizes the liberal agenda, they're going to lump you in with the, the dirty Christian, right. uh, you know, Christian nationalists or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's no middle ground where we can build bridges. Yeah. And this is a big complaint of mine. Sure. Um, and we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Well, now, when, now, hmm. when you say that we're, we're, um, middle of the ground, kind of folks or uh uh I'm not sure. I I there are parts of the of typical conservative politics and um I guess uh, uh, yeah um that I that I am all for. And I mean I'm all in. And then other parts of it that just dis- absolutely disgust me. I I, I guess I I feel like I'm not I don't think that I'm like milk toast. I'm not like, uh, let's all just get along. Uh, and the same thing with the Democrats. There are some things that, that, uh, you know, liberals really stand for that I think I'm there. Absolutely. And then other things that seem to go side by side with in, in for most people that are just absolutely disgusting to me. Yeah. But that puts you in between them. It that's sort of does. That's what it I'm sort saying. of does. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not saying, you know, I think Keller says you, you have to be more conservative than the conservatives and more liberal than the liberals. Yeah. And I guess um, I try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I agree with that. I'm yeah. just saying that, that there are things that we want to conserve. Absolutely. You know, and family. That, and yes. Certain, yeah. And other things that need to progress, need to, yes. need to change. Absolutely. Right. Big time. Yeah. And so it's a matter of, of discussing those different things instead of being lumped into a tribe. And say you you have one of two narratives now. Pick which one you're going to be in, because otherwise you're in no man's land. Yeah, and yeah. we're saying, well, I guess we're in no man's land because we can't jump into either narrative. Yeah. We like there's truth and error on both sides. Yeah, yeah, and we want to be able to talk about those things without being labeled. That's right. Yeah. Well, and part of that I, I, today comes down to cancel culture. I think mm-hmm. that, that's a, a term that's used a bunch and uh, probably overused and misused and whatever but the idea that we just start ignoring uh, you know some group of people and this guy Steve Brown that I just read is really um, of course this book was written long before the term cancel culture 
started, but yeah. um, he is reeling against that idea and saying that we need to listen and be compassionate to everybody, even those that we are absolutely convinced are wrong. Yeah. Um, or misguided or whatever, uh, because that's what Jesus did. So draw, it's okay to draw lines. Um, in fact, not just okay, I think God calls us to draw lines about sure. what values are good and what values are not good and those the kinds of things. Um, and then absolutely to cross those lines um, for the sake of relationship and to listen to people and to be with people. To try to understand yeah. where they're coming from. Yes. Instead of demonizing them. Right. And just labeling them as something horrible and evil and wicked and what's destroying our nation. Mm-hmm. Try to understand their point of view. Yeah. Uh, from both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I think we find out we're we're pretty similar. In some ways, yeah. And then, but it's okay to be different. There right. are differences. There really are differences, but probably more similar than we realize. Yeah. Certainly more similar than if you were uh, to look through my my Facebook posts. You know, from yeah. my conservative friends and my liberal friends. It's and since twenty twenty. Yeah. I mean. Family members have split. Yeah. Friends have split. Yeah. Uh, churches have split. Yeah. It is a wreck, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's gotten so polarized. Right. Um, and uh, Trump, I think, had a lot to do with this. But I don't mm-hmm. want to give too much power to Trump. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, a guy. Yeah. There's, there's, this has been brewing. Absolutely. And we're unable to talk or have dialogue. I mean, it, it, go try to have a, a talk at, uh, you know, at Berkeley, mm-hmm. and, and tell them that you're a, a an ordained. Presbyterian minister. Yeah, right. Um, you know, you're not going to get very far. That's right. Um, and that's that is really sad. I think. Yeah. And, and it's it's what's wrong with our country. That's why I think Trump had room to rise up and to bark like a dog at everyone and just treat people like garbage. Yeah. Is because uh, you know everything is so confrontive and combative. Yes. yes instead yes, yes. of trying to understand, trying to talk, trying to to have reasonable conversations, trying to solve problems. Right. It's jump into this narrative or get in that narrative. There's mm-hmm. no way. There's no other way. Mm-hmm. That is a, a disaster. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got also got it not only in um, in politics, but in various religions, and you know, you can. I mean, it can get really granular, right? Within a particular church, you got folks who are uh, homeschool their kids, and folks who send their kids to. Uh, school or Christian right. school and public school and whatever and they're like okay that's the wrong way and they don't really care yeah. about their kids and you know yeah it can be harshly critical yeah 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 and not understanding not trying to be understanding right just saying it's it, my way is right and your way is clearly wrong therefore yeah right because it's well we're all land. doing our the best job that we can and I'm the decisions that I make are the ones that I think are the best um and so, and that's why I make them. And sure. if you can't understand that my way is the best, I've already thought it through. So you're wrong, right? Then, <laughs> right. then why do I even have to talk to you? Yeah. Destructive. It's it, yeah, it's very destructive, and it's not what Jesus did. Even though he was absolutely right, he had every right to say he was right, and yeah. I don't, and none of us do. Um, I do what I think is right, but I should, but I'm always open to, I yeah. should always be open to being reformed. Yeah, always reforming. Yeah, I sometimes I say when I preach or teach, uh, you know, at, at my very best, only seventy percent of what I say is even close to the truth. But I don't know which seventy percent. Hmm. 
I, you know, I, I know I need to change. And that's, that's at my best. It's probably closer to 30% is right. <laughs> Come on. <Right? laughs> I don't know about that. Well, I, yeah. you know, I don't, yeah. the numbers don't matter. But right. it's, I mean, I, yeah, so I, I shouldn't make a big deal of it. But, um, of course, I'm wrong. I mean, I, I've always, you know, if I'm learning and growing, then that means that it's I'm better, closer to what's good and right and beautiful than I used to be. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about this this tribalism. You know, they've yeah. done studies on this. Yeah. And people will lump themselves in a group and want to have that conformity. They, yeah. They, right. It's like almost primal. They they mm-hmm. desire. They, um, and, of course, an evolutionist is going to argue, an atheist will, will say that it's about survival, mm-hmm. that you need like-minded folks to, you know, you need to be in tribes mm-hmm. in order to, to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in, in our time, in this period in history, um, I mean, they've done the studies where they, they just label someone as, uh, they put, you, you have red shirts, and everyone else has other color right, shirts. Right, right. Um, and they will, they will do what they need to do to protect and even cheat for yeah. the people in their group. Yeah. Um, so that this is a very primitive, uh, what's a better word, a better... Uh, primitive sounds right. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a building block, a, a very... Uh, Prevalent, yes. Prevalent building block of human nature. Yes, yes. Um, And and yet, when it gets out of control, it's causing all kinds of chaos and trouble and wars. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we need to be aware Mm -hmm. that we have this. Mm -hmm. That you're going to prefer people who think like you, who look like you, who Mm -hmm. act like you, Mm -hmm. who like the same things that you like. Um, And that, I think, in a friendship level, that's not necessarily bad. But in 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 the the concepts, policy writing, and public platform, it's proven to be very destructive. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's, uh, there's a continuum. There's a, in my mind, there's a continuum here between unity and diversity. And that continuum, uh, so um, we can emphasize unity so that we are all the same, and that's what's important. Or we can value, um, we can have a value on diversity of bringing in and, and having different kinds of experiences with different people and different, you know, being open to new ideas. Unity and diversity, right? And we have that as a fundamental of the nation um, out of many, one. And so that refers to many states becoming one state. But that's, uh, I think it refers to more than just that. It's, you know, this unity and diversity. Which I think is also reflected in the Trinity. I think it comes directly from the Trinity, where God is one and God is many. And uh, we see that in marriage, where the two become one. And so there's, but by, and maintaining the unity and the diversity. The two people are still separate people, and mm-hmm. yet there's a, a mystical unity that's there as well. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. What did we miss? What did we get wrong? Email us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to tell Dave about how to finally roll his R's, uh, you can email us at uh, pickyourboogers at nose.mail.com. Join us next week on the Hopper Podcast when we'll talk about how many angels can dance on the edge of a paperclip. Hmm. If you've got a better topic for the Hopper, 
report a short voice record a short <laughs> if you <laughs> if you've got a better idea for the for a hopper if you've got a better idea for a hopper topic record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to the hopper podcast at gmail.com and you might hear your voice on a future episode do you know anyone else who would enjoy the hopper podcast tell them about it give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app that helps others find the hopper podcast the Hopper Podcast is produced with the help of drunk cowboys everywhere. <laughs>